0: Get ready. It's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman.
1: News. Kevin Harvick won again. Can we go home now? No? We have to talk? Fine. And this has been the <laughs> Motorsports Madness
2: Show. We'll see you
3: next
1: week. Good
4: night. Wow,
3: Thank you, Cisco.
1: That was amazingly
4: quick. That was almost as quick as Kevin Harvick's average lap time in Atlanta.
1: <laughs> yes, at Atlanta, you're right. Anyway, no, we're actually going to be here for the next two hours. So if you thought we were leaving, no, it, it's it's not April 1st. Sorry. We can stop applauding now. Exactly. We're coming back. <laughs> All that said, good evening, race fans. Welcome to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Yes, we are always this weird because... You know, that's just what we do. My name is Jacob Seelman. I am joined at the roundtable by Tom Baker and Chris Murdoch, who is back in the building. Yay. I've applause.
5: Made I've made it.
1: And via the Race Chaser Skype line, we have Dr. Dirt Steve Ovens and Cisco Scaramuza. Therefore, it is going to be a full show. and Wait, What? You forgot Bill. I was going to get to Bill. I just had some. Now you've screwed up my whole He's train of thought here. If
5: that makes it any better. <sighs>
1: fine just because tom screwed up my whole train of thought bill holt from the carolina ah. school of broadcasting is behind the glass pushing buttons and well he has a mute button if i get well can we start the mad show now? At tom We've we've already started the show. You just Can we need get to, to hunt. the real show. Yes. You're the one who elongated
6: it. Don't be saying, "Can we start the show now?" <laughs> Don't take that, Bill. Don't you dare take that.
1: Bill has a mute button, so if I get irritated with Tom, I'll just tell Bill to hit Tom's mute button. Bill knows better. <laughs> All right. So back to back to the rest of the show. Steve, I'll start with you, just for difference in uh, in nor- normalcy tonight. Kevin Harvick did not dominate on Sunday in the desert. However, the end result was the same. This is not what I was most surprised about. What I'm most surprised about is the fact that for two days in a row, it rained in the desert.
6: Well, yes, of (laughs) course it did. But, Jacob, look, I mean... The story is Happy Harvick. The story's not the rain. And and if I remember correctly, Jacob, I think it was hashtag shotcala that called three in a row for Happy Harvick right on this very program here last Monday night.
1: Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And I believe I also agreed with you, sir. So, uh, you. But yes, you were the first one to say it on this very show. Kevin Harvick wins three races in a row for the first time in his cup career. He gets his 40th career win. He ties Mark Martin on the all-time wins list for 18th. And, Tom, here's the fun fact for me. He becomes the first driver over the age of 40 to win three races in a row since Mr. September Harry Gant did it in 1991. Who says old guys can't learn new tricks? Well, you just called Kevin Harvick old. Older.
4: I mean, honestly, after the things he said in Victory Lane the other day, you better be careful. You don't <laughs> want to get on Kevin Harvick's bad side. I believe the exact words were... Haters, I see you. Yeah, it's old. Look, I, I mean, uh, not surprised he won three in a row and won't be surprised when he goes out to California and wins four in a row.
1: Absolutely. Last not time he won there was 2011, but who cares about stats? Now, here's a stat, though, guys. Stuart Haas Racing had a really good day on Sunday. Sure did. Somebody asked me how good a day they had. How, how good, good of a day? day? All four cars for the first time ever in the history of the organization in the top ten. Through the first two stages, it looked like it was going to be a much Brothers party. Because, well, particularly this guy that won the second stage gave us a really funny moment. And I thought it was so funny that we just had to share it on this show. Bill, hit the button.
7: Well, buddy, I got some good news and some bad news. Uh, You won that stage, and it was fun to watch that shootout. But uh, now you're going to be starting pretty deep uh, in the field by making that stop.
8: Uh, What do you got for him?
9: Woo! We're stage (laughs) winners. Woo! We're starting 25th now. (laughs) That's part of the game of how you got to play these stages. It comes with good, and it comes with bad, just like you're saying. But our car is so good on the long run. I figured I needed tires. And i got 150 laps left with this Mobile One Ford. So Billy Scott's calling an awesome race. i got to work with what we've got. We're we're doing what we've got here, man. It's fun.
1: I love it. I love it. This Kurt Busch, Ric Flair impression brought to you by Mobile One. (laughs) Exactly. I I loved, though, the the strategy call by that 41 team to stay out on a one-lap dash on old tires, win the stage, get the playoff point, and put themselves in a better position in points despite the fact that they had to play from behind a little bit in the last stage. But as Kurt said, Tom, this is what you do during stage racing now.
4: Well, and that's why I like the stages. They add so many more layers of potential strategy and gamesmanship to the equation. Layers like an onion? Layers like (laughs) an onion. And it makes you... Want, it, it really makes you want to pay attention near the end of the yeah, stages because you never know what you're going to get anymore, it seems right. like. you know
1: That was a gamble, but I think it was a smart one. It was a smart one. I loved seeing all four cars in the top ten for the first time. I love continuing to see Eric Almarola do well to start the season. Kyle Bush doesn't love the fact that he keeps finishing second to Kevin Harvick, Cisco. He was a little, well, cross after the end of that one.
3: It's turning. I remember that uh, interview that he did during the Xfinity series when he had the same issue and that that's a that's a classic one right there where I think it's if we had a first place for every second place we we got we'd be somebody so (laughs) you know Kyle's gonna be at this point starting to get a little bit tired of it but. I don't think Kurt Busch is as styling, profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling and dealing as much as Ric Flair, though. I'm sorry. Nobody (laughs) is as many of those things as Ric Flair is.
1: Very good, Cisco. There is nobody that can do Ric Flair like Ric Flair, but Kurt Busch made a good effort. It, it, It was a jolt of humor into what, for a while, was an otherwise, for me, mundane Phoenix race, Chris. However, the battle late in the race between Denny Hamlin, Harvick, Rowdy, and Chase Elliott when they were four cars under a blanket and three wide for the lead at two different points. Can you really ask for much more than that?
5: I really don't think you can. And for Hendrick Motorsports, you're going on the uphill from the start of this season. You're really doing such a – Phoenix was such a great race for them as a whole, getting inside the top 15, being there, and and, – being there at the end, and especially for Chase, who has mm-hmm. you know, been, been struggling out of the gate with these first few races to come out and track those guys down. We were all three here watching it in the studio, and just see him creep back into that picture was so mm-hmm. good for that team.
1: Steve, you ain't buying this, but hey, listen, I do have to give Hendrick Motorsports a little bit of credit and agree with Chris in the fact that while this wasn't like blow the doors off, holy crap, here we are, this was at least the best race that we've seen out of them
6: so far. (laughs) Yes, but guys, (laughs) this is the best race of the season for them, and they had one car in the top ten. Meanwhile, Stuart Haas, who just left using Hendrick equipment, what, not even uh, a season, season and a half ago? I mean, come on, guys, there's one car in the top ten, and yes, the others trickled in into the top 15, top 20, but guys, let's let's not say that all is right in the world. I'm still hitting the panic button because out of the 400 cars, guess who finished the worst out of all of them? That's right, 7-time Jimmy J I'm not getting my hand off the panic (laughs) button just yet. Fair enough. And I'm agreeing with Steve 100%. The Hendrick cars actually look
4: better, Jacob, because it wasn't such an aerodependent track. They were able to get up there and at least make a halfway decent showing. But when you see Jimmy Johnson finish 14th, and you're calling that encouraging after a 12th, Uh, that's an average
1: of (laughs) 13th this last two races. Not going to get it done. All right. So we're going to go ahead and do some business with America. And when we come back, we're going to talk to one of the young guns out of the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. I'm excited because Todd Gilliland is coming up on his debut as what I'll consider a full-timer with KBM. You'll hear from him after we do this. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network. We'll be
10: right back That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, rev up your career. I'm Kaz Grawlin. You're listening to
5: Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network.
1: Okay, actually, the only thing that could have made that any better was if we had come back and it was Harrison Burton introducing Todd Gilliland since they're teammates. But it's okay, because we are going to talk to Todd Gilliland right now here on Motorsports Madness. And just so you know, Todd, we're sending you the bill because I think you just gave our producer a heart attack.
9: (laughs) Huh. Yeah, uh, thank you guys for having me.
1: Hey, we're always glad to have you. We need to get you back in the building at some point soon, but that's a project for another week when you're not uh, getting ready to head off to to parts unknown. Am, am I correct in assuming that you're going out to Kern to run the K&N race this week?
9: No, I, uh, I wish I was racing, but uh, I'll just be out there watching this time. Uh, you know, it's I wish I was for sure, like I said, but uh, it's a great opportunity for those guys to be able to race against um, you know, obviously the last three cup races that he's won. So um, it's a great opportunity, and uh, it's going to be cool to watch.
1: Well, I know obviously uh, everything with uh, your dad's team and that's going on at DGR Crosley has been a whole lot of fun, and I want to talk to you about that later in this segment. But right now I want to talk about uh, the big reason why we've got you on, and that's the fact that coming up in, oh, about 10 days or so, you get to hop on track for your first race of 19 in the four truck for Kyle Busch Motorsports this year. I know you've been waiting on this since, oh, about, the day it was announced uh, has it set in yet are, are, are you amped up and ready to do this
9: yes uh i've been counting down just as much so um i've been fortunate to go to the first few races but i think that's made me even uh, more anxious to get in the truck because um you know watching someone else drive your, your car or truck's never fun so um i'm just excited to get in there for myself and you know kind of see what we can do
1: uh, well, one of the people that you had to watch drive your truck was probably the one guy that you trusted enough to drive your truck. What was it like to have your dad in the four truck for a race early to start this season off and, and to be there, see him contend for the win at Daytona? I know he was just raving about the opportunity to, to go out and, and and share the truck with you. And I know it sounded like a special moment for all of you guys.
9: Yeah, it was really cool to to see him, you know, be with a in a really competitive car and be able to run up front because, um, you know, people recognize that he does really well in the restrictor late races and, um, you know, just to be able to jump in a a really good car, uh, you know, he was able to get the pole. Just to to see all that play out was um, was really special for sure.
1: You had and and I'm going to kind of funnel here back to your run with kbm last fall at martinsville in fact the whole team had a really good run but you were in contention most of the day in that race in october of last year does that give you optimism going into this race next weekend knowing that you already have a pretty good baseline for for what you can accomplish there to to hop in this four truck and just get after it
9: yeah for sure um you know knowing that marcus richmond and my team won that race in the fall with noah gregson last year and as well as our strong top five run there. So uh, I think it's going to be a really great relationship as well as uh, a really strong start to the weekend. So, um, you know, we're just going to go out there and do our best every weekend. And, um, you know, hopefully that uh, that accumulates some wins by the end of the season.
6: Todd, Kevin Harvick had some, some pretty pointed comments in his post race yesterday, Uh, talking about short track series and short track racing and how important it is to have these series at places like phoenix um, I, I you know phoenix uh you know has hosted the k and n series in, in the past and i know that you've competed at that level and i'm just wondering what if you have any comment on some of the things kevin said about the importance of these series being able to run at the tracks like phoenix
9: yeah i didn't i didn't really see what he said but um, in my opinion, it is everything to have these cars go into these bigger tracks. Um, you know, still short tracks, but just such a great stepping stone. You know, I was fortunate to run that can the last can in race there at Phoenix. And, um, and it was just so much fun. It's just such a big step from uh quarter mile tracks, you know, on the West coast to uh, maybe a national series. So, um, I think it's it's vital for the series to go to some of those bigger tracks. But, um, you know, there's only so much NASCAR can do, and, um, you know, it's just uh, up to them to make it all work.
5: And, you know, Todd, coming into this season in a few weeks, uh, really going to start here at Martinsville, running 19 races, you know, can't run Kansas. But what are you really expecting to do this season, and uh, uh, what are you looking to accomplish uh, with this truck series team?
9: Well, um no, I'd say like I said, just try and go out and do my best. But um, no, hopefully we can maybe get a win in in the regular season and get into the playoffs. You know, that would be a uh, a really great year for us, but you know, I think that we can be a championship caliber team. We just need to uh need to hopefully pick up pick up uh, ahead of where all these other guys have left off four races in or something. So um you know, we'll be behind for a little bit I'd say, but um, you know, going to Martinsville and Dover is my first two races. I couldn't be more excited. Uh, I think I could do. uh, I think we as a team could do really well there.
1: How important, Todd were the races that you ran last year between the uh, you know the, the 46 and some of the opportunities that you had to at least get a few starts under your belt as far as the feel of the truck, how they drive, and kind of what you're looking for out of it uh, How important is that for you now going in and trying to get it get off on the right foot this
9: year? Yeah, that's very important. Um, you know, anytime you can go into practice and actually know what you're looking for in a truck, um, you know, you can definitely get there a lot quicker. So um, that's something I was learning uh, there after my six races, and uh, you know, I'm just really looking forward to picking up where we left off at Phoenix. Um, I'd say that was uh, probably one of my best races, and um, you know, hope, just hoping to keep the momentum rolling. And, and like I said, I've got a great team behind me and. They're going to help me with all that stuff. Is
1: this? I mean, does this feel like a dream opportunity for you? I I know how jazzed your dad was to get a couple races, but but for you, with everything you've done up to now, does this kind of feel like a, a dream opportunity for you, or the perfect situation, so to speak, to go out and show what you can do at this level?
9: Yes, for sure. You know, it's it's everyone's dream in in the can Pro Series. I'd say to race for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Um, that's kind of just the, the ideal next step and to jump into race running equipment like this is really is a dream come true. Um, so now it's just up to us to, uh, just go prove myself and, um, you know, that's what it's all about though, is, uh, showing yourself with the right people and the right equipment to, uh. Yeah, just to get it done. I said
1: I would circle back to this, and I want to, uh, from your perspective, I know your dad's done a lot from, you know, from the upper side of things in, you know, shaping what was David Gilliland Racing, now DGR Crosley, into kind of what it's become, getting more involved in the ARCA side and the truck side. How have you seen all that play And, you know, how much have you been able to be involved in that recent journey from where you're at? Uh, Because it just, you know, I've marveled at how far that team has come in so short a time and really what, you know, what your dad and everybody over there has been able to build. You know, what have you seen and what have you been able to be a part of with that?
9: Yeah, man, I think DGR Crosley is just, you know, a very hardworking group of guys that want to win. Um, they'll do whatever it takes for that, and that's something I've been very lucky to work for, work with. Um, you know, the last two years, even this year, uh, going out at New Smyrna and getting that uh, K and N race uh, at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, these guys just do whatever it takes, and um, I think that's going to be very important in growing and and even starting up right now. You know, I think they're going to be good for sure, and uh, you know, it's going to be uh, it's going to be crazy but pretty fun to compete against them all year.
3: All right, so Mr. Gilland, I have to quiz you here because, well, I guess not quiz, but we have we have a burning question that we have, which is over at Tri-County, Mike Snyder made an appearance and he had a sweet pair of aviator's. I think he had the best sunglasses in the garage. Are you going to respond and what is your sunglasses pair of choice?
9: I've actually, I never really wear sunglasses, so um yeah, I don't know if I've got a response to that. That was uh they were pretty special for sure. So um, no, I think he definitely won.
4: Well, Myatt's pretty special, if you
9: think about it. <laughs> <laughs> We're throwing shade at Myatt, and he's not even on this program to Well, be able I wouldn't do
4: it if himself. he's in the room. He'd kick my butt.
1: <laughs> I want to ask, Todd, because I talked to you in December at the, uh, the championship media day for your second K&N Pro Series West title, and you told me then you were hopeful of having a chance to prove yourself at the national level. Now that you've got that opportunity and you're getting ready to embark on this journey, have you sat down and let yourself realize kind of where you're at and how quickly you've gotten to this point? Because I seriously, it feels like it was just yesterday that you and I were talking and you were 15 after you won your first K&N race at Phoenix you know three years ago and now here you are on the cusp of your first basically full season in the truck series
9: yeah man it's uh it is kind of crazy to sit down and think about that and how fast everything changes in motorsports so um you know just as fast as you can get up here just as fast as you can get down so we just need to keep doing what we've been doing and um you know really just being smart at every race and um just trying to uh trying to get the best finish possible
1: before I give you the sponsor question, I do want to ask uh how much time have you had to talk with Kyle and uh, how much advice has he been able to give you ahead of this?
9: uh he's given me a lot of advice and uh and just being able to watch him at uh at Atlanta racing the four truck um was crazy you know listening to listening to him on the radio and just how much I'm gonna break down a truck and what it's doing every single lap is is pretty insane but um you know, it's uh, it all comes with time, and just being able to have that experience talking to you is uh, is pretty unreal. But um, yeah, so just just trying to learn as much as I can these first few races from uh, from everyone inside the the Kyle Busch Motorsports
10: stable.
3: Has the time flown by? Like, you know, to allude to Jacob talking about when you were fifteen to now, and dry and you know now having the the opportunity in the trucks. Has that time just flown by, or have you been able to uh, to savor some of it?
9: yeah I'd say in the off season is when you can really like look back and and think about everything you've done but um now I, I'd say that the championship banquet last year was pretty special 'cause um you know the year before there really was no off season we knew that we were going to be able to run the K&N east and west last year and um you know we were just kind of rolled right into that but you know last year knowing that that was probably my last full time season in, in K&N was um no, it was kinda of sad for me but, but also, you know, it kinda of just gave me that, that moment to kinda of reflect and um, you know, just think about how cool it's all been, but no, definitely not hoping to stop not hoping to stop at the K and N series.
1: Well, I know uh, that you're not hoping to stop, and you're hoping to bring a lot of partners along with you for, um, for this ride, Todd. I want to give you a chance to uh, shout out and say thank you to the sponsors and the people that are going to help make this season for you and the four-truck possible with KBM.
9: Yep, uh, definitely got to thank uh, Pedigree, Mobile One, and uh, JBL. They're going to be my, uh, my primary sponsors for this year, and um, also SiriusXM and, and Frontline Enterprises. Uh, Frontline was on my, my K and N car at So um they've been doing a lot with us and looking forward to another great season.
1: Well, we're always appreciative of uh, any time you can take a few minutes to chat with us, Todd. You've always been a great friend of this show and we're looking forward to uh getting a chance to see you here next weekend in Martinsville. We'll be up there and uh hoping for all the best for you and the entire fourteen.
9: Yep, thank you. See you guys up there.
1: That's Todd Gilliland and we want to thank everybody at KBM that helped made That appearance possible for him to come on with us tonight. We are going to step aside. When we return, we talk more NASCAR from Phoenix here on Motorsports Madness. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports.
10: Dot com Or you can email them at office at BSRinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways, the right way. HMS Motorsport
4: is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA Weather Tech teams, as well as countless SECA and club level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America.
5: Hi, I'm Chase Cabry, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now, back to the show.
1: Oh, is that our signal to talk again? Yeah, it would be. I guess so. We have NASCAR to talk about, so that's good. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Dr. Dirt Steve Evans, and Cisco Scaramuza. As we talk all things racing and right now talk NASCAR. And, well, last uh, last segment we talked with Todd Gilliland about the truck series. This segment we're going to transition back to Phoenix and talk about the NASCAR Xfinity series for a couple minutes. Steve, I referenced off the top it rained in the desert. Two rain delays could not stop saturday's xfinity race however it was a marathon it was long it ended under the lights but we got it in and let me tell you justin allgaier and brad keselowski put on one great
6: little battle at the end of that race didn't they oh they sure did uh i think keselowski might have even been just a little bit surprised by the speed of allgaier there at the end and Uh, You know, that turned out to be a a pretty interesting finish with Kozlowski getting the win, of course. But, you know, those two had a great battle, and there was this guy who was really hoping that it was going to be a long run at the end there, old uh, Christopher Bell. Yeah, he
1: was kind of good for a while there, too. Actually ran Brad down and passed him and was the leader when the final round of Green Flag Pit Stops started, Tom. We've said from the beginning... That we all knew Christopher Bell was going to win something at some point this year. But... He's gonna win something in the next couple races, I feel like. He has shown out so well these last two or three weeks and I just I, I, I knew it was coming maybe mid season like Byron did last year. Now I'm fairly confident in saying that I think he'll win before we hit the month of May. Well, I picked him to win the championship, so Well, okay, the championship to... doesn't necessarily equate to winning like, you know, four races in. No, but I think I I think I was pretty clear in my
4: feeling that he would win three or four races at minimum. And and I still believe that's going to be the case. I'm actually surprised he hasn't won yet to be very honest, but uh certainly I think that's coming soon and mm-hmm. I believe that once he starts winning uh he'll keep on he'll keep on winning. I mean, I I believe that once he
1: gets really yeah. comfortable and finds that sweet spot, He's going to be tough to contend with. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, we do have the four-race stretch of Dash for Cash events coming up in April and the start of May, where there are no Cup guys. So it's all Xfinity regulars fighting for the victory in those races. And you would have to believe, with two short tracks during that span, that Bell goes into at least one, if not both of those, as the favorite. Well,
4: I would think, but honestly, I'm not sure that he won't win and win fairly often even with the cup guys the thing i haven't seen mm-hmm. is i just haven't seen the toyotas being overly competitive as i as thought a they would be yeah. as a unit when you know before the season started the
1: you thought the junior jgr motorsports, cars were going to kick everybody's yeah, butt
4: i really did i mean i and in the, the junior motorsports guys have done a great job and obviously mm-hmm. the i mean the fords in both series have been yes very very right. strong so um you know, it hasn't been as easy for the the uh, JGR set in the Xfinity series as I thought it was going to be. So, you know, but I still think Chris Bell will even the odds here pretty soon and start clicking off some wins.
1: Cisco, were you as surprised as I was to see Kyle Busch in the 18 car struggle, not just at Vegas, but struggle really again? the latter stages of Saturday's Xfinity race in Phoenix. I mean, yeah, he was in the top five for a decent chunk of the race, but it just seemed like he never had what he needed to go up there and fight tooth and nail or leave like we're so accustomed to him doing at Phoenix. I mean, he's got 10 Xfinity wins there. This should be a slam dunk, and yet it wasn't.
10: Yeah, it
3: wasn't, and also when you consider that he wasn't the only cup, you know, he wasn't the only cup invader in there. And I'll Mm -hmm. give the shout out to Jamie Mack who finished fifth in the DC solar car. But Keselowski was out there. We knew he was going to be one of the fastest cars on track going into that weekend. So, I mean, I was surprised that they didn't have the same drop dead speed that they had. But once again, we're talking about a guy who's struggling because he's in the top five. Yeah, <laughs> and not leading the race by like three seconds. So I mean, you know, it's we're we're set, we're burning the house down when all you're trying to find is the TV remote. Right. Well. I mean, let's remind ourselves, though. Kyle Busch
1: is sitting on 92 Xfinity wins. He's only got seven starts this year. He's already burned two of them, and he's not won yet. So that march to 100 may not be quite quite as easy as we originally thought, Tom. We thought this was going to be a cakewalk, and he would win, like, I don't know, all of them (laughs) this year. And yet now, he's two races into his seven. He's not won yet. I mean, yeah, there's five more, but boy, the way this series looks this year, I don't know that you can call Kyle Busch a slam dunk to win all five of the ones he's got left. Well, that's true so
4: far. We'll just have to see how it goes as we get into the next four or five races. Yep. Once everybody gets through the West Coast Swing and gets through, mm-hmm. um, well, for the Xfinity Series, you've got to go actually past Martinsville. But right. um, I, think, I think you
1: get six, seven races into the season, you can really get a good idea of who's got mm-hmm. what. Now... Keynote in the Xfinity field looking ahead... Before we uh go back to the Cup series and talk a little bit more about Phoenix, I want to give a shout out because he's making his debut for JGR this season, this weekend. Ryan Priest going to be in the all-star car for JGR with Reem on the side this weekend. Super excited to see what Ryan can do in Fontana. That's gonna be uh that's gonna be really exciting, I think, and very much looking forward to see him hopefully go out and contend for a victory at a track tom where JGR has been just lights out. Well, yes. And and I think Ryan certainly is capable of that, but
4: I have to give a shout out to Brandon Jones too because He's
1: been good. He's
4: really been doing a nice job, Chris, and I think Brandon and Matt Tift have both benefited yes. from their swap yes. of teams over the course of the off season. And I don't think it's again a knock on obviously the equipment that either has. Sometimes you just a change of venue sort of sparks a little bit Mm -hmm. of renewal, and I think it's happened for both of them. Brandon Jones certainly has shown well at Gibbs, and Matt Tift is starting to look really good in in the deuce for RCR.
5: Yeah, and I I think you're not seeing those guys do as as well as we would have expected expected because they're still – kind of in that transition mm-hmm. period with their first few races in so it'll be nice to see how they come through their own see how they do at fontana you know brandon jones talking with kyle bush because we know as yeah. last week having those future <laughs> w- words or signals i should say out yeah, the I was window gonna say kyle
1: threw him a uh, finger out uh, the window
5: getting getting to talk to him and they kind of disagreed agreed to disagree uh on that situation but at least they're talking about it yeah experience from teammates and kind of trying to start gelling as that cohesive unit that we need to start seeing Joe Gibbs do in this Xfinity series, while we're giving shout outs, I will give a shout out to Jamie McMurray, as Cisco alluded to, starting in that in that race at Phoenix, his first race in five and a half yeah. years in that Xfinity car, and he did really, really good.
1: Yeah, he did. It wasn't a go out, you know, blow the doors off and win, but it was very, very respectable for Jamie Mack to to come back into the Xfinity car and do what he did.
4: I don't wanna I don't want to hear from Kyle Bush about Brandon Jones. Kyle's moonlighting in Brandon's series, so you know. go yeah, like exactly. go away.
1: All right, back to the Cup Series for a minute. Steve, Kevin Harvick was motivated. Kevin Harvick went out. Kevin Harvick won the race. Kevin Harvick then proceeded to look at the Fox television cameras and offer haters, I see you, after he had padded the uh, back window of the car and uh, got all, got the crowd riled up after he won that race on Sunday. Is this a little bit of the old Kevin Harvick coming back,
6: the Kevin Harvick that wasn't afraid to tick a few people off? I think it is. And even though we're seeing a much wiser, uh, almost a mayor of the garage type Kevin Harvick in 2018, I think that the rest of the field should be very concerned about what they're seeing and hearing from him because you know, this is a guy that didn't need that motivation of the rear window last week yeah. um, going to a track where, you know, it's just seems like when we go to Phoenix, he is a lock. Um, and, and now we go to California who Harvick even admits he's looking more forward to California than he was even Phoenix with the added motivation. So, yes, um, this is this is. This is championship-level Harvick that we saw a few years yes. ago. And and for the rest of the field, Jacob, that's a scary thing, if you ask me. It
1: needs to be a scary thing. I want to go around the table here real quick and ask everybody to offer one surprise. And this I, I want it to be kind of a positive here. Name somebody who you were surprised to see perform solidly in Sunday's Phoenix Cup race. Chris, I'll start with you.
5: Um who I was surprised to see very well, I will go with that nine car of Chase Elliott. Okay. They've had a really rough start to the season as well as all Hendrick cars, so seeing them do well and run up towards the front and even have a shot to win it mm-hmm. at the end there was pretty good to see.
3: Cisco. 88 Bowman.
1: He, I wish he could have gotten the finish that I felt like they deserved for as well as
6: they ran at points in that race, Steve. I'm going to go with William Byron, and, and I know that a strategy call got him to the lead in, in leading laps, but while he was leading those laps, I thought he did a really nice job, mm-hmm. so I, I say Byron.
1: Yeah, I love that too. I Actually, Steve, you kind of stole mine, so I'm just going to add to my, uh, my point here and the point that you just made. William Byron didn't just lead laps, he fought to lead laps with some of the best in the business and actually held Denny Hamlin off for a couple laps at the front of the field before fresher tires finally prevailed there. Everybody's been waiting, Tom, to see when William Byron is going to uh, start to get the hang of this Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. I think you saw a flash of what he's capable of and the adaptability that he has continued to show at every level William Byron is learning, and he's continuing to absorb. When he gets good, he's going to be really
4: good. Well, I agree, and Byron's a good pick, but I'm going to go with Eric Almarola because mm-hmm. that was a solid performance that he it had, was. and I was happy to to see that. And I also want it noted that uh, while Kevin Harvick was only too happy to pat the back window, he forgot to go around and pat the rocker panel.
1: Rocker panel extension, yeah, the extension, the side skirts. Then, yeah,
4: then complained about... Uh, being pissed because he thought NASCAR got him on the technicality, but made out of the wrong material, son. It's illegal. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter if you did it on purpose or not.
1: We're going to step aside. When we come back, you are going to hear from a driver who is working on transitioning from the virtual to the real-life side of racing. This is a really cool story, and I want to go ahead and say a thanks to all the folks at McLaren Technology that helped set this up. Our next segment, you hear from the official McLaren simulator driver for 2018, Rudy Van Buren from Barcelona, where we taped an interview with him last week. He is also the official world's, fastest gamer that's coming up right after this business on pmn the performance motorsports
11: network
12: For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.
7: Hi, I'm NASCAR driver William Byron. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
6: I suppose for who we're about to talk to, that's
1: rather appropriate. All things considered, welcome back to Motorsports Madness here on the Performance Motorsports Network. And we get brought out of brake by a driver who got his big break in sim racing. Now we're going to talk to a driver, another one, who is hoping to get a big break out of sim racing and transition into the world of real life racing to talk to rudy van buren the winner of the world's fastest gamer competition and now the official mclaren simulator driver for the 2018 season rudy first off welcome to the program and i want to hear a little bit of this story talk a little talk a little bit about how a 25 year old sales manager from the netherlands a, gets involved in sim racing, and B, ends up with an opportunity like this, because this is really, really cool.
8: Yeah, Paul, oh, hello, hello first. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely.
1: Uh, We're glad to have you.
8: There's some echo. I don't know if you guys hear it, but I do. It's gone now. Um, well, how do you end up as a 25-year-old sales manager in, in, in World's Fastest Gamer, basically? Um, my sim racing period started about eight years earlier already. Uh, I used to uh, used to do some go karting back in the day. So um, you've got the racing virus in you. Uh, at one point, such thing stops, and you start looking for a replacement. And that was actually the moment that the racing games were were growing. It's like in the GTR two race 07 period, uh, and I just rolled in it basically and hooked, hooked ever since.
1: Now you were a driver who uh, you mentioned you uh, started in karting and actually won the dutch karting championship in 03 but i know for you uh, at least the first time you went through this the finances weren't there but wfg gave you a second chance
8: yeah well finances was part of it but it's always uh, the easy go to to blame everything on the finances obviously there were more factors to it but the The final factor for it was that my racing real life part stopped when, I was, when I was when I was sixteen. then it took over to sim racing and now at twenty five world's fastest gamer came around. But look where it brought me here, literally sitting in in Barcelona right now.
3: And Rudy, um, you know for you, where do you feel that sim racing belongs in the vast picture of motorsports because there are people who feel that at the end of the day, it's never going to get to the same level that real life is. But you've been able to use it and be able to get into a super high tier of motorsport through it. Where do you think sim racing belongs in kind of the whole spectrum?
8: It's getting closer to to the top level. If you if you look at the the, the different leagues and not not even on a specific platform, but just the top leagues in every every racing game out there. The guys are taking it really serious. You've got teams, you've got m- the managers, you've got the media departments, you've got the websites, you've got literally everything that a real-life racing team has is what's been done virtual. Always there will be like the little bits that you can't get 100% right, but if you look at the community and how it's been approached the last few years, how it's been growing, I think it's, it's going to get really close. In my eyes, it will never jump past the real-life thing but it will get up even even more close to than it is
3: already how important for you do you think it is for people to learn about sim racing because it's still a very you know niche hobby in the grand spectrum of things how much do you want to see crossover and support from mainstream racing over for people to learn about sim racing
8: which it's, it's a major priority. Um, Formula E did it like one and a half year ago with the big Vegas event. That was the first thing that it could actually got some notice on the big spectrum because it's always been sim racing. It's always been the little baby that no one looked up to uh, compared to all the shooters and everything out there. And lately, you see that it starts to get more into the spotlights and world's fastest gamers. You do step in that factor as well. People start to recognize it, start to enjoy it more in some way, watching it. They're, they're, Every league got live streams, they got websites, they got everything sorted to make the whole thing look like a real life race. Um, and people are picking it up and it, it's growing and it will, it, will, it will grow a lot more than it's already done.
3: Now, what are some things that you felt that sim racing taught you that kind of improved you know, your racing career just in general? What are some of those things that you're able to do in sim racing that's a little bit harder to do in real life?
8: <laughs> well, first thing is, of course, testing getting basic information going on, on different tracks and cars and so on but it's, it's, it's been a, a, a double direction thing for me um, of course things I learned in go-karting helped me initially in sim racing but I've had periods in sim racing where I thought like well I've learned stuff now if I only knew this back in the parting days even to how to approach a race not to go flat out in the beginning save the tires all the things that come into play which, which are like realistically built into the sims as well so anyone Anyone can use a sim to to take a leap into the real-life racing. Yes, if you've got experience in go-karts, it could help, but there are enough guys out there, uh, named Jan Mardenbra, for example, with the GT Academy. The guy never drove a car, but prior to GT Academy, look where he's now, living in Japan, racing super formula. So sim racing is definitely a a good place to start from, and many more people will start using it, because there will always be the budget front, which um, will hurt a lot of people in the real-life racing.
12: Now, As we've mentioned before, you got your big break in the world's fastest gamer competition. And the first thing on my mind, because the thing that stood out to me about that competition in particular was the variety of platforms that it used to allow people to qualify, and then the variety of platforms that it tested competitors on during the entire competition. How important do you feel like that was not only to get those sims just kind of exposed to the world but to really get a true feel for who was the you know world's fastest gamer in a sort of holistic sense
8: yeah i've, I've, I've said it many times already i'm going to say it one more time world's fastest gamer was a lot more than just driving one quick lap and the, all the different platforms in it was definitely one big spectrum of it they they didn't just take one platform and like get get the best of that platform in it I wasn't good enough on all platforms. I knew that probably going into it. I needed to be good at R Factor 2 because it was my home sim. I needed to be decent at iRacing and survive Forza. It, it was as simple as that. Um, and that was my approach as well into it. Um, next to, of course, all the sim racing they took us with the media test, the cognitive test, fit, fitness related test. They looked at the whole picture. Of course, in the end, they when the, the group from 12 went to 6, they put us in a really realistic simulator and started to look more how do people actually drive. But initially, they looked at at it in the big picture and then picked the guy that suited the whole picture, not just like the pure hot leper, for example.
12: And now that you've got that crown, you've gone on and done a few different things since you've been crowned WFG. Uh, I imagine the Race of Champions was a fun experience. Talk a little bit about that and how that all went down.
8: Yeah, Race of Champions was a huge surprise when it came up. When I heard it at first, it's like, oh gosh, come on, put, put me in a real life car straight away. No, no simulate thing, just, just throw me into the deep waters, so to say, and just, just go for it. Um, and then, of course, when I was there, it was a, a race, deep learning. Six different cars between concrete walls, uh, you pretty much two, three laps of practice in them. And then, if you look against what, what kind of names you're racing there, it's not, uh, it's not an easy thing. But overall, looking back at it how, it, how it actually went there for me, it, it, it was only positive. Getting a few heat wins, being close in the other ones, it, uh, I left with my head out high there, and it was a really cool experience.
12: And how crazy has the whole experience in Barcelona been, and with a little bit of the other preseason stuff too, I know that the big team photo with you and Lando and Fernando and Stoppel, that that was a big moment I could tell, and I imagine it's been a pretty wild experience beyond, I think, anything any of us would have dreamed.
8: Yeah, in the photo with the car, it was really cool. Just, just there in the morning, it was like 10 past 8 just standing there with the other guys. It, was, it made my day already. And then getting home and seeing the pictures and so on. And, and now being here in Barcelona, I arrived this afternoon. So I, uh, I had my first quick peek at it and listening into it. Tomorrow, a bit more time for it. Just, just to get more experience and on the different side of the screen, basically. I, I'm quite familiar with driving, but uh, for the 1 team, there's a lot more to it than just driving. And so to say also for the F1 simulator. It's not a driver development tool. It's definitely just pure car development. So I need to be on top of my game and also in the way of communicating with the guys and so on. So that's one of the reasons why I'm here, to also listen how Stoffel talks to the team, how Fernando talks to the team, how they debrief and all those other things. And McLaren has been really, really open to it and just just basically gives me access to everything. So I've said it before, but
12: best job in the world. (laughs) And I take it you're getting on pretty well with Stoffel and Fernando and everybody too. Yeah, so far so good. Nothing too crazy. So, uh, you sit in a, I guess top of the wave is the best way I think of it because you're one of the first ones to really be able to take advantage of a big competition like this. And we saw what Brendan did with the Formula One Esports Series, and we've seen the Vegas E Prix. We're starting to see more competitions. I know Forza is going to have one later this year where do you feel like it's all going to head and is there a certain way that you want to see these competitions sort of proliferate so that you get guys who and ladies i suppose also who have the ability to race and be quick in a sim but also can translate that to being fast in a real world car every day week in week out
8: no yeah, well, i think we'll see more and more teams picking it up not not necessarily with a world fastest gamer competition but something like it um and as long as they take it seriously it's only good for sim racing as long as the teams don't just go towards it as a media hype so to say to be one of the guys doing it it's good for the sim racing community i know i'm in the spotlight this year that's also why i like to be as open as possible with everything i do is that's from social media everything everybody can see like i'm i'm living the dream right now and this is what a gaming competition gave me through mclaren yeah. and if other teams offer the same chance or something like it i Bless the guy who wins it or girl, and, and go for it.
12: Random thought in my head too, as it comes across. I imagine that you know most people don't necessarily think of sim racing as a physically demanding thing, but I know you're a huge CrossFitter, and I imagine that's probably helped you out a lot, especially in these first few months. Now that you're actually in the sim, yeah,
8: you know, it helped me, and it, it took me down as well because I'm, I'm I was quite bulky, muscularized, um, but being bulky is weight as well, and. Weight's not necessarily a problem for the sim, but if you've got too much muscle, you, just, you grow up. And it's 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 a tight squeeze. I'm 191 in meters. I'm not sure what's that in America, but 6'2", somewhere in that region, I assume. Um So it's quite a squeeze. And yes, I had the strength in pretty much every area. Also looking at possible real-life tests with whatever, whatever car, but the strength was there. It was just... Slimming down just a little bit more, getting the body fat below nine percent, and just get the whole driver perspective. Yes, I'm tall. Yes, because of that, I always be heavy, but now with uh, with the help of a trainer from a parent, we we slimmed it quite uh, down quite a lot already. we was about six kilos down from uh, from World's fastest gamer competition in November to now. fit already, and yes, I was fit through CrossFit, but we did uh, definitely take it another step.
12: And I know there are a lot of people behind your operation, a lot of people that have made it possible. So I want to give you a chance to give your shout outs and your thank yous and let us know who makes it happen for Rudy Van Buren.
8: It would almost be insulting if i if I forget someone. So I just need to need to thank the whole McLaren team in general, from the CEOs to marketing, everybody has been open and helpful to me, and uh, even the the guys over at ideas and cars. they know who they are if they hear this. they uh, they gave me the chance of a lifetime, and I'll grab it with both hands and try to make everyone proud.
12: Rudy, thanks so much for coming on to the show. Looking forward to see what you pull off here in the soon because I, I imagine there are going to be a lot more opportunities that we don't necessarily know about and that McLaren have lined up for you. So I think uh, long and short, we'll be watching.
8: Yeah, we'll be good. I, I know a little bit more, but I assume the McLaren guys know a lot more. But time will tell. We're going to live by the day and just uh, just enjoy what we do. I'm here in Barcelona and I'll enjoy it. Next week I'm on a mountain snowboarding. I'll enjoy it. After that we're back to work. So We'll see what the what the year brings, but it's going to be a living
12: dream for a year for sure. Figured it'll be a fun one, Jake.
8: Yes,
1: it will. And we want to thank everybody from McLaren who has helped make it possible for us to have Rudy Van Buren join us. And I want to say thanks to Cisco and James for their guidance through all of this. We are going to step aside and we're going to return on PMN with more (laughs) Motorsports Madness right after this. So stick around. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports.
8: Their
10: It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion.
12: Okay,
5: okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled.
2: Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner
10: time.
5: What, what? No!
2: Do what you have to to make sure your
10: kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road.
12: At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat?
11: Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
7: Hi, I'm Noah Grayson, and you're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
1: Welcome back to the madness as we start our number two here on PMN. You've already heard from two driver guests on this show. Going to hear from one more during this second hour coming up one segment from now. We'll talk with Logan Seavey out of the Keith Coons Motorsports stable who picked up a huge USAC win in their season opener over the weekend at the Southern Illinois Center in DuCoin winning the Shamrock Classic. But... Before we get to that, we're going to talk another piece of earth-shattering dirt track news that hit the newswire today. And to do that, we are going to bring back Dr. Dirt, Steve Ovens, because Steve, the world of outlaws have finally accomplished something that I have been complaining, yelling, screaming about for years That it wasn't being done right. Today, the world of outlaws have rewritten history. Actually, no.
6: They have made history what it always should have been. You know, Jacob, I give Brian Carter a lot of crap uh, on PMN here over the years for this or that decision that we were left scratching our heads with. But I got to tell you, this one I love because you're absolutely right. This is something we should have done a long time ago. This is something that should have been from day one, how they did it. Absolutely. I mean, for the longest time, we've had races that... Well, I mean, hey, let's make our NASCAR reference. We've had races that were, quote-unquote, cucumbered, because we (laughs) didn't know what they counted for. my line. I, I mean, they were... I don't know what they – they yeah. were wins. But I they mean, weren't. They paid out at the pay window, but they didn't pay out on, on in the stat book. Yeah, so.
1: now let, let's let – I want to clarify this now because there are probably some people listening going, what are you talking about? Here's what we're talking about. For the 40-year history of the world of outlaws, they've had this long standing rule in the sprint cars that if they have a multiple-day show at the same racetrack – only the final night of that multiple-day program counted a win towards the record books. If you won during one of the quote-unquote preliminary nights where it's less money and less laps, you didn't get counted with a win in the record books, which is something For years, I have screamed about, I've complained, I've fussed. It's not right. If you get a win, it should count in the record books. It's an A feature. It should count. Today, the world of outlaws finally have righted this incredible wrong, Tom. Drivers (laughs) like Ken Schrader, like Aaron Crocker, and finally you. have their due in the World of Outlaws record book as official winners.
5: And to you, the world is now complete.
1: The world is now complete. The, history- the World of Outlaws. Yeah. <laughs> the world yes, of outlaws. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. The World of Outlaws is now complete. The other big thing that this did, by the way, <laughs> is guys like Steve Kinzer and Sammy Swindell more than 100 races they won were never counted in the record book. Now they are. Steve Kinzer's Outlaws wins record goes from 577 to 690.
4: Yeah. Isn't that something? The man's been retired for how long? And he just won about 150 more features. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <It's>, uh, <laughs> Sammy
4: won 100 more yeah, without 100 even more. having to yeah. do anything.
5: Yeah.
4: <laughs> um, yeah. And Joey Saldana, who's been waiting forever to celebrate that 100th win, is now over 100. And 105 yeah. to be
1: exact. So I mean, and and I loved I loved the line by the way uh, regarding the Saldana situation specifically that uh, World of Outlaws Sprint Car PR coordinator Anthony Carini said earlier today in an interview. Anthony said realistically Joey already had his 100 he had it in like 2015 you know I hate that it takes away the opportunity for them to actually celebrate the 100th win but like Anthony said realistically he already had it
4: yeah I mean Steve I'll I'll come back to you on this my my take on this situation is pretty simple this is just insanity I mean there are things that racing sanctioning bodies decide to do that every once in a while you just sort of look and go, huh? I mean, if it's, if it's a feature and it pays money, it's a feature. You should be given credit for the win. This whole concept that you, well, we're going to run this night, but it's kind of only a preliminary where it, it sort of doesn't really make any difference. You know, you're, you, you charge fans to get in the gate, don't you? So, I mean, if you have a feature at the end of it, after qualifying, it should be counted as a win. I can't believe it took 40 years for somebody at the World of Outlaws to go, uh,
1: yo... Well, maybe we ought to do that. And I want to give Anthony credit, by the way. Anthony Carini was one of the ones who championed this. I've been complaining here, you know, in a place where people can't necessarily hear me, Steve. But Anthony, as the PR guy, has worked with Chris Dolak and Johnny Gibson and basically kept knocking at the door until the rest of WRG finally listened. So I want to give him his credit for helping
6: make this happen. Well, Anthony, on behalf of everybody at Race Chaser Online and P- Performance Motorsports Network, you get a cookie tonight. Yes for <laughs> for finally writing the wrong and, and I wanna give a couple of I know you love stats, Jacob. I and, do love stats. And looking at this list, I mean, this gives you an indication of just how ridiculous this has been for all of the history of the Outlaws. or just under 25%, 24.75%. That's the difference in wins that Sammy Swindell has in, in the updated record books versus what he showed previously, as well as Mark Kinzer. And those boys have done a thing or two in the sport. Oh yes. And, and you talk about surprise names that are on this list and, and Tom, I know your ears are going to perk up when you hear this one. I didn't know this one myself. I did because I know where you're going. But go ahead. Bentley Warren. Oh, wait, Hit no. World of Outlaws Sprint Cars win. Yeah, so Bentley has that one. For you. When did Bentley get it? Now, see, I thought you were going to mention Cricket Keel
4: because, you know, that, that's a legendary name in Central New York, Craig Keel. And he he actually had a preliminary win, and I knew that. But I didn't realize Bentley had gotten one. That's interesting. Cisco, I know you want in on this.
3: I was just going to say, this is the happiest uh, Jacob sounded since the April Fool's prank last year when I told him NASCAR banned all the cup guys from the lower series. <laughs> <laughs>
4: that's not an April Fool's prank. That's a wish. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. <what> <laughs> but, no, it's it, look, I love this. And I think, you know, and a guy like Craig Keel, for those in our audience who haven't heard of cricket, He's from central New York and started off as a driver who was running in, I think it was the old late model class at Weed Sports Speedway years ago with this just piece of crap car and somehow turned himself into a really good sprint car racer and ended up winning a World of Outlaws feature at one point. And we all just were so incredibly happy because it was your typical Walder Mitty moment and, you know, never even got credit for it. Until now, yep, 1991. San Until Arizona. now, so you know it's uh, it's kind of neat to see yes. names. I, I still want to know Bentley, but what what did you?
1: Say? I'm gonna try and figure Just out before Bentley, the end Warren? of this show yeah, when, Bentley when Bentley's win was. I want to say it was either 78 or 79. It was. Oh,
4: you know what? Probably they counted the Syracuse race that he won at the mile with the super.
1: Yes. That the, would have had. That to have was been when what the World was. of
4: Outlaws raced there, but they weren't running the, the the outlaws were not allowed to run wings, and and Bentley went out with a super modified, the old Nolan Swift, weight and chop set Which, which some, I was
1: going to say, and somehow it fit the rules parameters at that yeah. time.
4: Well, yeah, because it was basically an open competition almost type show, but the outlaws couldn't run wings, and without the outlaws I've, being able to run the wings, the supers just were clearly better.
1: Right. Now, I want to add this real quick before we have to go run off to a break, but the, the emotional thing for me with all of this change today was the tweet that I saw from Erin Crocker Everham when she said, number one, that she had no idea this was even in the works, and number two, she said when she saw it, she started tearing up at home because of how much work had gone into what she did yep. that night and knowing yep. that not just her but the entire team was finally going to get the credit they deserved for it. That Absolutely. to me showed how special it is to win one of these races and I, I remember how big the media wa- buzz was that night that Aaron won that feature back in 2004 at Tulare. So Just yeah. a really cool thing. We'll talk more about this later in the program. We're going to run off to a break and when we return we're going to hear from a young man who has gone, undergone a 16-month journey to get to the top of the USAC National Midget Series. You don't want to miss this interview. Logan Seavey joins us after a break here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
10: You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Racing has been a part of
7: me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force.
3: Hi, I'm Matt Tift and you're
6: listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network.
1: We are back here on the Performance Motorsports Network. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we're in the middle of a block of dirt track conversation right now. Jacob Seelman, Dr. Dirt, Steve Ovens, Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, and Cisco Scaramuza. And right now joining us via the Race Chaser Hotline is a young man who, this is the first time we've had him on this show, but it's far from the first time in the last year we have talked about him on this show about 16 months ago, Logan C V goes in and has to have open heart surgery, comes back, wins a Power Eye National Midget Championship, and now as of Saturday is a USAC National Midget winner as he embarks to chase not just Rookie of the Year honors, but a championship. I'm glad we finally get to do this. Logan C first off, welcome to the program officially. Second off... Wow, dude, to lead all 50 laps at the Shamrock and become the first driver not in the Clausen Marshall stable to win the Shamrock, you done did something oh, special, kid. Way to kid. go.
7: Way to go. Yeah, thanks uh thanks for having me and uh yeah, Saturday was uh, obviously a really really good day for us. Uh,
1: it uh, take me through the day because it's rare that we see one car be as flat good as you were in this race, I mean, did, did you guys from the, from the time you unloaded, w- was it just this good, this feeling of, Hey, we've really got a shot at this, or was there a lot more work than, than what we may have realized that went into getting this car as good as it was by feature time?
7: I think, uh, I think we just unloaded pretty well. Um, we lap pretty good. We were a little tight, but, uh, we knew you know, the track, uh, you know, and laps is going to be, going to be pretty tight. So, uh, we expected that, but, uh, you know, obviously they they uh, won the last race there in December with Christopher Bell. So, um, you know, I was confident that I was, that, you know, the car was going to be good for me. Um, got a pretty good pill draw for the way the format works there. I started on the front or outside, and I was just uh you know able to win my heat there. So uh, that really made made the day a lot easier. Um, started fifth in the qualifier, and uh, you know I got to fourth, and we're kind of riding around there in fourth and trying to challenge for third, and we got pretty close a few times, and just. You know, some things fell away way, and uh, a couple of the leaders got tangled up and uh, gave us pretty much hand in the second. So that, that was, uh, um, you know, it's just I guess that's how indoor racing goes.
1: For you, this is a huge moment. You and I talked back in Tulsa in January when you were uh, debuting with the Coons team at Chili Bowl, and you said to me then, that you believed this year could be something special, but you weren't sure, you know, exactly what the learning curve would be. I feel like you may have broken the learning curve a little bit going out and winning in your first full points race with these guys. D- does this all of a sudden amplify what may be possible for you guys this year?
7: Yeah, yeah, I think after Chile Bowl, I think we ran, you know, pretty respectful we You know, our goal is just, to, you know, make the feature and do well and you know, we did that. And, uh, me and Keys just seem to, you know, so far at least we've been working, you know, really well together. Um, everything just seems to be clicking really, really good between us and the cars. And, um, I think that just gives us, you know, both of us more confidence in the way the season's going to go. So, um, I think we both had a high hopes after the Chili Bowl, but, uh, we didn't really know exactly what to expect going to a place like Twocoin and, uh, to come out like we did. Uh, I think, uh, you know, not just myself, but the whole team's really excited. For the rest
5: of the season you've had such a wild past 16 months uh, you know from from the heart surgery to now obviously there's a lot of things that go through somebody's head after a surgery like that and you know it, it can be discouraging at some points what is what kind of mindset did you have to like get yourself back on track to bounce back not only go through this season and do as or go through these past few months and do as well as you did but to to come back with that mindset and rebound after all uh after all of that.
9: Um,
7: yeah. You know, after obviously going through the, the whole surgery deal or whatever, um, there was a little bit of a setback, you know, not you know, having to sit out for quite a few months. Uh luckily we were able to push push back the surgery away so I could at least uh you know, have try to make the recovery as far close to the off season as possible. And uh you know, just being able to race as soon as possible. Um, you know, I got back in Allah cart, you know, eight, ten weeks after the surgery, uh, did a bunch of that. And then, and then I was able to do, you know, a full 30, 30 schedule, 30 race schedule, uh, midget season last year, which I think was huge for me to be able to do that before, um, coming to a team, you know, like Keith Coons Motorsports. So, you know, a lot of them kids, they get to the, they get to Keith Coons with no, you know, no midget experience and it takes a while to learn. So, uh, luckily, I was able to get with a great team last year and get a lot of experience before I was able to you know, take it to the next level and now having a 50-something race schedule with key teams.
1: Not just a good team last year. I mean, you, you hooked up with Toyota and Kenny Brown at that point and, and went out and I think even surprised yourself at times last year, Logan. I mean, the Power Eye Championship for you guys last year, I think to me that was the moment where – the where I thought to myself afterwards, okay, the announcement, you know, of you driving for Coons doesn't surprise me anymore. It's the logical next step. I mean, how important was last year as far as your overall development and your confidence going out and doing what you did on the Power Eye Tour?
7: Yeah, I mean it was it was really, uh really important I think. Especially, you know, for the start of the season where we go to you know, start off at some short tracks, chili ball obviously and do cool so So, however there's a lot of those small little bull rings and i was able to get comfortable in a midget racing at you know tight quarters and that's kind of what i grew up racing also is you know racing outlaw carts indoors and tight racing and so i think it just really everything i've done to this point has kind of prepared me for the you know the midget style of racing so um yeah i think it's all just really coming together really well for me right now and everything's so uh, you know, all the pieces of the puzzle are, connecting so it's just everything's going great right now
1: for anybody in our audience that maybe isn't as familiar with this side of the dirt track world uh are are there any comparisons between what you did for so many years in the outlaw cart and the style of racing it takes to drive the midgets now is there is there anything you were able to translate between the two that's helped you
7: yeah definitely i think you know just how quick both of the cars are um you know, they both react so quick, I would think, you know, most people agree, you know, a Midget is probably one of the, you know, quickest and uh, you know, open-wheel dirt cars you can be in, and I think that relates a lot to, you know, how the outlaw cars race, and uh, just the style of racing, you know, it's so close, and everybody's running so hard, um, you know, it gets rough sometimes, and so, I mean, that's just, I don't know, that's just kind of the way the Midget racing has been developing, I don't know if it's good or bad but that's just the way it's been going lately so um uh you know the outlaw cards definitely have a, kind of have the same reputation at the moment where they're uh pretty rough so i think just being used to that style of racing is key
1: looking at this and you made the comment saturday in your victory lane interview at de Quoin, but you mentioned the history of the 67 car out of the kkm stable for you to now already have a win in that car what does that mean to you and to ha- to have your name associated with a team and as a winner alongside the likes of christopher bell kyle larson rico Abreu, there's not a lot of guys who can say they've done that
7: yeah no definitely so um yeah it's only a handful of guys that they've you know over the recent years you know since basically you know kyle's been Kyle's kind of started the the trend i guess but um, you know, there's a handful of us that have gotten you know the opportunity, and I've been fortunate enough to get in, be the, you know be the guy for them guys, and um, I just you know feel really lucky to be able to be in this position. And uh, like you said, it's pretty pretty cool to be able to put my name up there with some of them guys, and um, you know to be a USAC winner is really really cool for me. It's really special, so uh, it's something you know uh, I'll have for the rest of my life.
6: Logan, you, you said, just like you mentioned here in that last question, you know, there's a lot of drivers that would kill to have the opportunity that you have here right now. So between the time victory lane, all, you know, shut down and, and tonight talking to us on the air, I mean, at what point do you pinch yourself and say, wow, we just did that. Like, I mean, how, how has that been for you here these last two days since the win?
7: Yeah, yeah, like you said, there's, you know, hundreds if not thousands of kids that would, you know, love to be where I'm at right now. So it's just, uh, like I said before, it's just really special um, to be, you know, to be in this position. So, uh, like you said, kind of hurt to myself to, you know, see if it's all real right now, but it's, you know, it's just been awesome the last couple of days. And a couple more weeks we uh, got to sit around, got to sit around for a couple more weeks before we can go try to do it again.
1: Logan, I wanted to ask you, because actually I've had a couple people uh, mention it to me when I've been talking about you since the win on Saturday, but I've heard people refer to you kind of as an inspiration now, and seeing the talk on social media, the way you've come back from the heart surgery, the way you've just rebounded and really taken your own situation by the horns and made it into what it is, You know, to, to hear people talk like that and to realize that you're doing all of this at at still such a young age you know 18 19 years old what does that mean to you to be somebody that even as young as you are that you've got people looking at you going I want to be like that one day
7: um yeah I mean it's really cool and I think that kind of that kind of comes with the role of you know driving a iconic car since my surgery I've you know had a lot of people message me and kind of tell me their story, and it's been pretty cool to hear, you know, how many, there's actually, you know, a lot of people out there that you didn't um expect to, you know, hear or see, but there's a lot of people with
2: similar stories,
7: and uh, I've even had, you know, some kids um come to the races and hang out at the races and do some cool stuff with them, too, so um it's cool to, you know, see there's, you know, other people kind of in the same position as you, and uh you're definitely not the only one.
1: Do you believe now that you guys can go out and contend for this championship after winning on Saturday?
7: Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, I think coming in that was the goal. So, um, I think you know that's a that's the reason why they brought me in is they they thought I could do it. And uh, you know, I I, I believe in myself. And I thought you know I told them I think uh, I think I can do it too. So, obviously, you know, there's a lot of good courses here. You know, Spencer's got, Spencer's back, and he's going to be really tough. And you got you know. The rest of our cars are going to be tough, and Brady, Bacon, and, you know, Chad Boat, and there's so many cars there in the USAC Tour, so, you know, that's been the goal from the beginning, and I think now that, you know, we kick it off with a win, it's uh, amplified even more, so I'm just excited to get this season, you know, going again.
1: Well, I know, and all of us know, that it takes a lot of supporters and uh, some great partners to make this possible. And I know you've had several sponsors come on board to help make this a reality for you, Logan. I want to give you a chance to uh, give some shout outs and talk about who's made it happen here at Keith Coons Motorsports for Logan C V.
7: Yeah, you know, I've had a lot, you know, over my whole career, um, you know, starting obviously with my family, getting me going in the go kart stuff, and, you know, QRC giving me a shot to, you know, run their stuff. And then uh slowly just worked up into spur car rides and whatnot and then uh obviously the big biggest break for me I think was getting hooked up with Rockwell Security and uh Rick Young to get me in there midget, uh last year to really um, you know, get my name out here on the, the east coast. And uh, I think that's really what opened up Keys and Pete's eyes and Toyota's eyes. So um now this season obviously we um you know Toyota's you know, Toyota racing development's huge for for me and uh, getting me going this whole season. Um, mobile ones, obviously, big part on the car, and um, they've been awesome this year. Keith and Pete, everybody at Toyota, uh, everybody back at the shop that works so hard on these race cars. Was, you know, it just makes it so much race, and I have well-prepared race cars. So I'm sure there's a bunch I'm missing,
1: but that's what I got for now. Well, I know uh, it's been for us a tremendous amount of fun to watch this journey for you, and I know uh, – it's only beginning, Logan, so uh, I, I'm confident this will be the first of many visits that we have with you on this show. Thanks for taking a few minutes to talk with us, and uh, definitely want to wish you the best of luck when the USAC season really kicks into high gear here over the next month or so.
7: Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the season. Uh, uh, you know, Hopefully have some more good runs and get back on the show.
1: Yes, sir. That is Logan Seavey. And with that, we are going to step aside when we return. Well, you never quite know what we might get into, but we know we're going to have a good time doing it. You're listening to Motorsports Madness here on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
10: Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency.
6: modified driver Matt Hirschman you're listening to motorsports madness on the performance motorsports network we
1: are back here on PMN gosh Steve did so good with these bumper music re-entries I I I'm so happy he 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 did good Steve you did good
6: hey man that's what we do here uh we got uh we got quite the little setup here in uh turn five media headquarters so Happy to do it for you. Casa de Pork Chop Studios. Studio. Two. Two. Yes. dose, Dose. Dose pork chops. <laughs> well it's it's Casa de Pork Chop Light now. <laughs> ah. Is that how that works? <laughs> yeah. All right. Wait, shedding them left and right. right.
1: Yes. Anyway, welcome back to the madness here on PMN. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Steve Ovens, Cisco Scaramuza, and Chris Murdoch with you on a Monday night talking racing. And before we talk about, well, the controversial topic in this segment, Steve, I want to give a shout-out to Aaron Reitzel for his World of Outlaws victory and adding himself to that newly revised win list we were talking about earlier at the Tulare Thunderbolt Raceway on Friday night. I know they got rained out Saturday, but the battle between Cor- Corey Eliasson and Reitzel at the closing laps of that race Friday night was a classic.
6: And we love talking about Aaron Reitzel on yes, this show. Yes, we do. Yes. I know you do. Uh, so to see that come across this weekend, um, I did not get a chance to tune in on Dirt Vision this weekend to see Reitzel do that. But when that PR came across the wire this weekend, man, I was, I was the first thing I thought was, man, Jacob Sealman's going to be pretty pleased on Monday night yes. to be talking about that because that is big. And and we we come to expect that from Aaron on, on these West Coast races. He spent a lot of time racing out there, and so uh, I was thrilled to see him get that win. And, yes, that's right. He is now in the stat books with an official win.
1: Yes, he is. He would have been anyways based under the old rules, but... He's definitely in now.
6: We transition
1: to IndyCar. And, well, everybody's a little bit fired up because, well... That's
5: an (laughs) understatement.
1: (laughs) It is. Robert Wickens, the young Canadian rookie who happens to be James Hinchcliffe's best friend that was hired by Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports during the offseason and who I self-admittedly said would probably not do very much in his first season in IndyCar, despite coming over from DTM Racing in, uh, well, across the pond. Robert Wickens goes out, beats Will Power, the King of St. Petersburg, for the pole, and then backs it up by leading 69 of 110 laps in a race that he should have won And yet, Cisco Scaramuza, he didn't. Why? This is where I'm pissed off. Alex Rossi, I'm just going to say it, he cleaned him out.
3: Are you silly? He's still going to send it.
5: (laughs) Oh, gosh.
3: (laughs) Chris, the only one getting that meme reference. (sighs) But, yeah, Rossi, I I explained to Tom earlier in the chat. If we were in the card that we had last year, Rossi makes that pass. Turn turn one, Hero wins the race with two laps to go. We're not in the car we had last year. We're in the IR18, which had notably less downforce. So Rossi dives it into turn number one, and then about two seconds later realizes, oh, boy. And, yeah, it, problems.
5: It was such a good race up to that point because Jacob comes storming in the opposite office with... It on we turn it on. Such a good race. So many. Uh, I. Would, it d- set d- a record for most did. passes in a St. Petersburg and race, that, and that's something to say. Have to work too hard. They didn't have to work too hard. To work record too hard. Was two. and, and <laughs> it was interesting all the way up to that moment. About the only good thing to come out of it was Bourdais coming through with the win, just like he did last year. After yes. all the struggles, all the hurdles he had to jump over after that crash in Indy. Just an amazing win for him. That's about the only positive out of that race. Yes,
1: absolutely. Now, I want to add to this. A year ago, Sebastian Bourdais came from last to win the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg for Dale Coyne. He basically came from last to win the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg again because despite the fact that he qualified decent, Tom, he had a flat tire on the very first lap of the race and had to come from the tail of the field, get-off strategy, and then I called it before the last restart. I said one of two things is going to happen. Either Robert Wickens is going to nail this last restart and win, or Rossi's going to clean them both out, and Bourdais is going to end up coming from third and take the checkered flag. And look what happened.
4: Yeah, it's all your fault. Um. Well, look, my two cents on this is two things. One, Alex Rossi was way over exuberant there was if his version of this that somehow wiccans invaded his space and crowded him into the marbles i'm air quoting first of all it's not a dirt track and he wasn't in the marbles he basically went into the turn too hot and slid the race car into Robert Wickens. Yes. Uh and took Robert Wickens out of having a shot at the win. Yeah and then he didn't get the win because, well, we had a caution uh because Robert Wickens spun and IndyCar doesn't have a policy of ending the race under the green. So therefore, of course, no one had to get in. No one had a chance to do to Rossi what Rossi did to Wickens. Well, but, but then
5: I mean, Rossi had to say, "Well, that's what happens when you defend going down into turn one." But we all three sat there and watched. Wickens did not defend. Yeah, there was, he was even no He gave the lane. Rossi
1: the lane. Yeah, exactly. Now I want to. Correct something just ever so slightly, Tom, that you just said because it wouldn't have been doing to Rossi what Rossi did because even if we'd had another restart, Rossi wouldn't have been scored as the leader. it
4: doesn't matter where he was running. I'm just saying third. nobody had a chance to do to him what he did and spin him out trying to get a position. Somebody, um,
1: some. If know. we'd have had another restart, I think somebody would have spun Rossi uh, out. Probably.
4: But, you know, yeah, where was Hinchcliffe, by the way? Um, Fifth. Who's to uh, say yeah. he wouldn't have so, spun
3: himself out? Well, right that's <laughs>
4: true. Look, that was just a – it was really a bad move on Rossi's part, and I feel bad for Wickens, but I feel great for Bourdais because it's great to see him come back and get that win. And how cool was it
1: to see the Vassar-Sullivan portion of the Dale Coyne partnership with that 18 car end up back in victory lane in their first race back in IndyCar 2, by the way? Yeah, I
4: mean, that's – look, I said on radio this morning that I think the IndyCar series as a whole – should be enlightened by the fact and encouraged that we actually had, Chris, a situation where this spec kit was so is apparently so good that we actually got a decent amount of passing out of St. Pete, which usually features about zero.
5: You're exactly right, Tom, and I want to go back to something you alluded to earlier. Yes, we are all heartbroken for Wickens because he drove such an amazing and dominant race at St. Mm-hmm. Pete. But I am so excited to see what this kid does for the rest of the season because he showed great poise, great determination. He's going to do a lot of good things in this series.
1: He will win a race this year. I would never have said that before watching him race Sunday. Robert Rick Wickens will win a race at some point this year. Cisco, I want to add to this. By the way, if you are looking for Team Penske, the best car was the defending champion, in seventh. This is a team that's won eight Grands
3: Prix of St. Petersburg. Seventh. Uh, yeah, that's because power got cleaned out uh, in the first lap there, bud. Well, I don't care how
1: it happened. I'm just saying that uh, yeah, will, pow- will Power
3: rebounded for a
1: top ten, but let's just be honest four here. Four Penske cars? No, three. Three, yeah. That's right, three. Trace. Yeah, yeah, no, they because they Hey, four. because if you're looking for Elio, he was in the ABC right. for a while and did an awesome job. Oh, I, I bet add. he
3: did. Yes, he did. And my favorite thing to come out of this weekend that I've seen doesn't even necessarily have to do with the race itself. But if you want to go back and watch the highlights of the race, you can do that. IndyCar has posted another under 30-minute video just like what the NFL is doing that you can go out and watch. You don't need cable. You don't need to turn on ESPN. You can literally just go to IndyCar's YouTube or their Facebook page and watch the abbreviated portion of the race full with all the coverage from the booth, everything like that. Thank you, IndyCar. That is awesome. NASCAR, take notes.
1: Well, hang on a minute. No, I don't want you to slam NASCAR before we go to break, because NASCAR, over the last year, has started not only streaming their races via the YouTube Live portion, but they've also archived all the race broadcasts on the NASCAR YouTube channel too, Cisco. So they have taken notes.
3: Yes, they have taken notes. But I kind of want to see the same thing where, you know, less than 30 minutes of, you know, show me what happened during the race because it's great for somebody who can't sit down and watch a three-hour race. Right, that's fair. That's fair. I see your point there. We're going to step aside
1: before Bill throws something at me from across the room. And when we come back, we're going to have a few lightning round questions. You're listening to PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network.
10: How to be a great dad in 15 seconds
1: Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. It's time for the lightning round here on Motorsports Madness, and for the rest of these guys, that could be very fun or very scary. Welcome back to PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Steve Oven, Cisco, Scaramuza with you talking racing. And I'm chuckling because Cisco's well, being funny. He I, I, I'm, I'm not even going to get Some into, in. Some yeah. things in our intro show chat are just for us. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be one of those that gets left unsaid. Yeah. Cisco, stop making me laugh. Keep going. That's, that's like a career job, dude. I can't <laughs> yeah. do that. Fair enough. All right, lightning round. So I'm going to go around the table, and for once, I'm not going to participate in my own lightning round, despite the fact that I want to. So we're going to start with this, and we're going to go in this order. Chris, Cisco, Steve, Tom, and the only reason I'm letting Tom go last is because usually his brain needs about two minutes to figure (laughs) out what he wants to say. So I'm giving you the maximum opportunity here. Fair? Thanks. You're welcome. All right. Question number one. The only way to, to actually beat Kevin Harvick at Auto Club Speedway this weekend is blank. Uh,
5: be a Toyota. I say Toyotas do really well at Auto Club. Really? Yeah. Okay. They've struggled quite a bit in, in the early going. Uh, but I, I say, I mean, Kyle Busch has been predominantly good at Auto Club, so I can see Fair. Toyota doing something good.
1: Denny Hamlin, too, I guess, in recent years. Cisco.
3: Cut the oil line a la Need for Speed Most Wanted 2005. See, now that's funny. See, that I, I wanted something funny. Steve.
6: <laughs> I'm going to steal this from Bill, Tanya Harding him. <laughs> 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 and half our audience going, who is Tanya
4: Harding? Yeah, never mind.
1: Yeah, never mind. Okay, you've had your two minutes, Tom.
4: Why? Oh. You should yeah, exactly. That's what we needed that sound clip real quick. Anyway, uh, the question again, please, sir. <laughs> wow. No, geez. no, I know what it was. I want you to read. I just want you to say it again.
1: <laughs> the only way to actually beat Kevin Harvick at Auto Club Speedway this weekend is blank to lock him in the porta potty. Thank you. That's what you do. You lock him in the porta john. Thank you. It, if, it, if, well, if, I, it, if I had my Gene Rayburn microphone, I, I I would be very happy in saluting you, sir. That's that a, that's that the That is microphone. the answer. It's like six foot long that bike. Yes. That it, is the
4: you, you gotta, answer. You got to lock him in the portable. <laughs> pa- it's the only way. If you, if you go lock him in a, blue, a broom clo- blue closet, you go lock him in a broom closet. If you allow him to get in that car and go out and take the green, you're not beating him. Kevin Harvick's going to win his fourth race in a row
1: at California this weekend. I'm just calling it right here and right now. Thank you, because I 110% agree with you. Next question. Best surprise in the Xfinity series so far this season is?
5: I can't. Best surprise in the Xfinity series. Uh, Tyler Reddick. Nobody thought Tyler Reddick would do this good in the opening stages. This quick? This quick. Except for Jacob. Hey, I said it.
1: I'm going to take credit. I said it.
5: Nobody else thought he would do this good this quick in that nine car, and he's really – proven that he can he can run with the best of them okay
6: Cisco.
3: um that kyle bush hasn't won a race yet
1: oh that you're you're defining that as good news yes i'm with you i'm totally with you
6: (laughs) steve i'm gonna go with elliot sadler wow and i and i say that because i think homestead last year could have potentially derailed him a bit uh he was and and i still think he carries a lot of anger from homestead but he's kind of put that aside and put together some great finishes to start off the year well we can see where anger gets you with kevin harvick because he was pretty
5: angry and he's won three in a row so yeah (laughs)
1: <laughs> now, I, hey, I will add. Elliot has a lot of reason to be in a good mood lately because his his uh, Carolina Tar Heel basketball team yeah. went on a really good run in the ACC tournament. Just beat saying, Duke. they beat yes, they did beat Duke. That's all that matters. Exactly. <laughs> biggest is that they Sorry. beat Duke. <laughs> exactly.
4: All right, Tom. Uh, best surprise and the biggest surprise in the Xfinity series. You know what? I'm going to go with a tie between both Brandon Jones and Matt Tift. Sweet. Only because I think it's surprising that each of them have adapted to their new surroundings so quickly, but I I, I think both of them are going to be very pleasant
1: surprises as the year goes on. I would agree. I do have an answer for this, but I'm going to wait till the last minute of the show before I give that shout-out. All right, question number three. Does Todd Gilliland and... Let me add, this is contingent on NASCAR giving him a waiver, but considering they gave Justin Haley an age waiver last year for the races he couldn't run, there's no reason that they shouldn't do the same for Todd this year. So, with all that said, does Todd Gilliland make the playoffs? And yes. if so, where does he win, Chris?
5: Where does he win? Um, I put him in a good you know, position at Martinsville, actually. I mean, I think... You think he wins next weekend? I mean, he's got a really good shot. Do you see the truck he's driving? I mean, fair,
1: they fair. Do really
5: good at the paperclip.
1: And Marcus Richmond did w- take that team to victory lane with Noah Gregson yes, last fall, exactly. in the infamous Granddaddy Watch moment. <laughs> if
5: somebody's going to get it done, he can get it done.
1: Okay, uh, fair enough. Cisco.
3: Sure. Okay.
5: I
1: said, does he make the playoffs, and where does he win? So that sounds uh, like where yes. does
3: he win? What's... I like Todd Gilland. You know what? I like him at Gateway.
1: Yes. I hadn't even thought about that, but Gateway's a good track for young drivers and rookies. John Hunter Nemechek has been good there a few times. Just unfortunately hasn't been able to close the deal. Steve? Yes. Charlotte. Oh, so you're saying his first race on a big track? He goes out and wins? Wow. That's bold. That is bold.
6: I was
4: ring the bell,
6: cash the check. Fair enough.
1: Charlotte. Wow.
4: I think honestly, he'll. Win. I do think he'll win a race, and I think he'll make the playoffs. If I and, and honestly, I think the win comes on a short track in yes. my mind,
1: so, not in Charlotte. So, Mar- I, so, I would love that. Though. So, so you're saying either Martinsville I or would, Bristol? I would say Martinsville. Well, Bristol
4: is actually interesting too, but I think Martinsville. Yeah,
1: let's remind ourselves, by the way, that for the truck series this year, the Wednesday night race at Bristol is the cutoff race for the regular season. Oh, by the way. Yeah. Yeah That's eh.
3: the cutoff race? Yes
1: yep. it is, oh. which That's also which one. also means it. that there love is it. no Kyle Bush doing the triple at Bristol anymore because he's not allowed. Yay. 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 I I know. (laughs) I'm
3: seeing, I'm having flashes of the late model race there last year. Of how how that race (laughs) is going. Those are nightmares. nightmares. Trucks trucks in a blender, car parts everywhere. (laughs) You know, they have to stop the race because they have to Uh, clean the uh, track off. Can't be any
6: worse than the modified race, can it? Oh, lordy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was, that one was
1: oof. I, I don't want to relive that. I, I was there for that, Steve. <laughs> that was not good. Not it's good at bad. all. Anyway, um, so this next one actually circles to uh, to the world of Outlaws. So I'm going I'm to give Chris a pass here so, so that he doesn't have to play. I'll direct this one to Tom and Steve. Uh-oh. We've already had two first-time winners this year in Sheldon Hodenshield and Aaron Reitzel. Who becomes the next... World of Outlaws first time winner and why Steve
6: Woof um wow you know what I, I i'm i don't say this as a guy that is is 100% consistent every single night but on one night any given night on the World of Outlaws Jacob Allen can become a first time winner Chomp, with the World of Outlaws champ
4: Absolutely. I guess I'll agree with that because I really don't know who else I would say of the of the ones who have not won. I don't know who else I'd pick. I I think Jacob is as good a pick as any. That's a good team. And I don't see any reason honestly, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a surprise in my book if Jacob
1: Allen goes out and wins. I mean I said I wasn't going to play, but I am going to play here only because I have this and have had this driver in mind for a while. I actually believe it's going to be Brent Marks, and I believe it's going to happen somewhere in his home state of Pennsylvania. Well, year. or, yeah, as Steve just said in our chat, Gio, Gio. yes, Gio, Gio in the 57 car. I, be- I believe that's going to happen at some point yeah. this year, too. <laughs> the kid is too good not to.
4: I would say both Jacob and Gio, probably. I'm not too sure about Marks, though. I'd love to see that. That's uh, any, anybody from PA that can win in the outlaws. I love it. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, good grief, yes. Yep. Yes. Posse. Yes, absolutely. Now, final question. And we are coming up on the end of the West Coast Swing, and I am going to exclude Jimmy Johnson from this question because, well, he's the cop-out So Steve answer. doesn't start yelling at us so again? So Steve doesn't start yelling at us again. Outside of <laughs> Jimmy Johnson, who in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series needs to have their finger on the panic button Chris?
5: Finger on the panic button. Um, well, that's a hard question because the only person they've really highlighted having a bad year is Jimmy Johnson. Um, maybe Kurt Busch. Not Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch I was is. was gonna a, say Kurt's, uh, Kurt's been Kurt, good. Kurt's got good. Um, maybe Kyle. Kyle's struggled normal more than normal at <laughs> the opening gate. Hashtag hey, I finished second, second the last That's two weeks. Good. That's not. Well, in Kyle's book, it's not Cisco. Yeah.
3: Jamie Mack. Ooh, wow. Yeah, I had. 28th hadn't... in the point standings. No Ooh. top fives, no top tens.
1: Yeah, where Larson has been in contention mm-hmm. most every week. So, yeah, I'm I'm buying that, Steve.
6: Ah, oh, Cisco, he got my pick.
1: <laughs> I was going
6: for the Mac attack all the way. Um, oh, and guys, by the way if we have to reassign the brooms keeper at Hendrick Motorsports, I'm still open to that <laughs> um, as, as far as the panic button. I mean, I, you know, I listened into the radio communications over the weekend with the 43 team. I don't know that they're at panic button yet guys, but the, the performance certainly dropped off after Daytona. Yes. So yeah. maybe the 43 car. Okay. Tom, Well, that was going to be
4: my first of two answers. And then I was going to equate the 43 team with the entire of the two Roush Fenway cars. They've been flatter than pancakes so far. Yes, they They, have. They didn't even look over well with the exception of Stenhouse clearing everybody out. (laughs) They didn't look overly good at Daytona that that, that was Roush shocking. Roush Fenway needs to be panicking right now about as much as Hendrick Motorsports, and I'll throw in the 43 team because they do need to pick it up a little bit. That is
1: fair. By the way, my shout-out for this show goes to Spencer Gallagher in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, who Woo-hoo! is still in the top six in points for that team, four races in. That, to me, is awesome. So, And Spencer's just entertaining. I love yes, to see yes. that for them. Yes, so, uh, With that, we're going to close the book on this edition of Motorsports Madness. As always, thanks to Mike Garrity, Megan, Colbin, our social media partners at Three Wide Life, as well as Bob Steele, Susan Mason, Bill Holt from the Carolina School of Broadcasting, Behind the Glass, and all the folks at PMN that make this show possible. For Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Steve Alvin, Cisco Scaramuza, I'm Jacob Seelman, reminding you to keep it off the wall, and if you're headed to a racetrack, we might just see you there. Folks, have a safe racing week till we meet again.
0: You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.